You're listening to a podcast by Change My Relationship, featuring licensed marriage and family therapist and author, Carla Downing. These podcasts are designed to provide you with practical solutions based on biblical truths for all your relationships. Today, Carla will be interviewing a guest who has experienced a relationship problem and successfully worked through it. I'd like to welcome you to the Change My Relationship podcast. I'm glad to be here, and I'm really excited to be interviewing my guest, Matthew Riley. He is the development director of Be Broken. Be Broken Ministries is an awesome ministry. They have um, a group for men who are struggling with sexual addiction or sexual betrayal, and then they also have a group for their wives. And both of the groups are amazing the way they are structured. They have all kinds of levels of support. Would highly recommend that if you're struggling with uh, as a wife or as the husband in a sexual betrayal issue that you would please check out bebroken.org. And I will give you the name and the link again at the end of the podcast, and I will have it in the show notes. Welcome. Yeah, thank you, Carla. It's great to be here. You know, we, I think we, this is really our first time chatting, but you, your name comes a, a, up a lot uh, with, with our wives, care director, Gigi, and, and even our, our, our president, Jonathan. We just love you and the work that you're doing. Um, and it, it informs what we do too, right? So, so we really are partner ministries with the same heart. Uh, I just wanted to add actually to what you said. So we, right, we have uh, help for men, help for their wives, uh, but we also have a lot of new resources for families. Like how, how do we help parents with raising their kids in, in this climate and in this culture? And, you know, basically the idea is how do we help you intentionally build your relationship with your kids? So you are the person they come to when they have questions that you can anticipate those questions. You can help them with healthy feelings as well as sexuality. So it's been exciting all the things that are happening, but so glad to be on here and to really mostly today, just to share a little bit of my personal story, but especially my wife and, and how her work with detaching with love has been um, such a, a powerful impact for me. Yeah. And the way that came up, was I was a guest on Jonathan's show on the Pure Sex Radio show. It was the po- it's a podcast for Be Broken, and I was being interviewed by Jonathan on how uh, wives and actually husbands can use detachment with love, detaching with love, uh, to help them in their recovery process. And you listened to it, and you sent me an email long ago. Yeah, that was that said, was a while ago now. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, I really found that detaching with love was the key to me being able to get recovery when my wife was able to do that. And I said, oh, come on the podcast. And you <laughs> said, OK, I'll let you know when you're re- when I'm ready, which was just yeah. and I forgot to add the personal stuff, which I like to do about your bio. You have been married for 18 years. And you have four children ages 10 to 15. And oh my goodness, that's only five years. So none of them, none of them are twins. Five years, five years, one month and one day. (laughs) That is Um, a lot of little kids running around for a while in your life. Diaper three, three in diapers for a long time. Uh, We were actually both in grad school for a few of them. My wife and I, it, it was just absolute insanity. And wouldn't 
wish for anything better than the kids I have. So nice. That's awesome. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and jump in here. I'm going to let you describe your struggle with sexual addiction. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I mean, I grew up in a, in a relatively healthy family, although, uh, you know, for so whatever reason I struggle with the sense of, of being loved. And as I've looked in the past, I've saw some kind of things my parents did. And I know they love me. I know they've always meant well, but there were some things that just didn't connect with me. You know, there was never any type of abuse. So I'm, I'm not one of those guys who come from this like really bad story. And there, there's a lot that do. I'm, I'm one of those ones where you look at and say, wow, how did this guy you know, really get connected and, and caught up in this stuff. But emotions weren't handled well in, in our house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was bullied in school a lot. That was kind of like an ongoing everyday thing. You know, when I was young, my, you know, my, we, we grew up in the, in the church. Uh, my, my grandfather was a pastor. Part of that church, when he retired, you know, a lot of things happened. And my family was actually chased out of the church. So I had a lot of baggage mm-hmm. um, and, and pain from just some really bad church experiences. Which is sad. You know, I, I, my grandfather was an awesome pastor. Was an awesome community. But I was eight when he retired. You know, so I didn't get to. I didn't get the benefit of all that. But you know, I don't remember when I was first exposed to to pornography or masturbation. I know with masturbation, it was something that honestly I thought I was wetting the bed. Like I had no clue. I was so confused. But something felt good, right? And uh, there was two early times with pornography that I remember, but I don't know which was first or if there was even other other firsts. But it was with you know kids my age, some you know what you know what we would consider friends, and that was so that was early teens. And you know you you put those things in an environment where I didn't feel like I could ask my parents those questions, couldn't really process any of those feelings. You know, being being bullied. You know, I ended up just kind of kept pulling into myself and. You know, that was my safe space. That was my place to to where I could, you know, maybe meet the needs that I felt weren't getting net, met. You know, I, you know, at one point in recovery, I looked back and realized like, like pornography had become like my best friend, my mm-hmm. only friend. And so I actually had to grieve that loss, um, even though, you know, my best friend was trying to kill me constantly. So, you know, I always I remember kind of feeling my parents should have really been aware of what was going on, but they weren't or they just didn't talk to me about it. You know, I think very common for me. So I'm I'm early 40s. Um, I think it's very common for my generation to to look back and say like, you know, the sex talk we had with our parents wasn't very helpful or informative. And so unfortunately, I think uh, my parents' generation just didn't have that guidance on how to help their kids, right? It was, you know, this one conversation that was usually really awkward. And and I I hear a lot of guys around my age, it's it's kind of that same refrain, like, man, like we, our parents didn't know better. Now we know we don't know better and we, we need, we need that help. And so, yeah, as a kid, I was very isolated. So I increasingly turned to myself you know, had issues falling, falling asleep. And so that kind of played into it as well, you know, kind of as a, as a, almost like medicinal to, to help me sleep, you know, and I, I would push boundaries with girlfriends, but for the most part with that, I just, I kept it all secret and I kept it all hidden. So then how did that come into your marriage? I mean, did you just, did it never stop and then you got married and you continued it or how did, how did that change when you were married? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much it never stopped. You know, I had heard the refrain, you know, marriage isn't going to fix it. And I believed it in my head, but I think, you know, I still didn't do anything about it, right? I still didn't do it. So I had told her about it when we were dating, but I had already pushed her boundaries that, that, that by that point. So she kind of felt trapped in our, in our, in our relationship, actually. You know, we eventually got married. You know, she, she came home once and caught me. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking, looking at pornography. Um, I, I never had a physical affair, but certainly with the pornography and, and you know, I do consider that a, an affair, you know, I would have, you know, this cycle of acting out that sometimes would be months long, 
sometimes would be short. And I just, you know, with the months long ones, I'd always think, oh, see, I'm getting better. I'm okay. Uh, but I would just keep it secret, keep it hidden. You know, so it was, so it was twice, I guess, when, when we were married that she had found out that nothing then really happened from that. You know, we'd go to counseling or we'd get help. And I thought I was doing some good things. She thought she was good, doing some good things. But really what was actually going on was I was, um, you probably use the term gaslighting on your on your show. So I'm pretty sure people are probably familiar with that. Just the idea of like yeah. saying stuff in a way that just makes the other person seem like they're wrong. And, you know, I think a, a lot of times the hard thing with gaslighting, and at least in my experience, not only was I gaslighting Catherine, but I was gaslighting myself. Like, I didn't even know I was doing it. I didn't even know I was, I was wrong. And I was, you know, I, I, I wasn't actually, like, the things I was saying weren't actually real. Um, I was just that far gone in my confusion. And so those two times, like, nothing happened. No progress was made because we were just stuck in this cycle that we didn't even know we were in. Mm. Interesting. And that's also yeah. called denial, you know, that, and, and that's how deep denial can go is to the point yeah. that you literally are thoroughly convinced. Not, it's not that you're lying about it. It's like, you really, really don't think that you have a problem at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes that word denial can be confusing because you assume with denial, it's, you know, the truth and you're denying it, but oftentimes you don't even know the truth. Like you don't, don't know how bad you have actually become. Cause you, you get you so used to dividing things in your life. Say, well, I just have a porn problem or I just mm-hmm. have a masturbation problem. It has nothing to do with the rest of my life. And, and I really believed that despite all the evidence to the contrary that mm-hmm. no one really ever showed me or, or connected with uh, early on. How did it switch from that level to where it began to affect your marriage to where it became a problem? Yeah, so so that was the would be then the third time uh, that it came out. And uh, interesting, you know, interestingly, the f- first time before we were married, I had actually approached her with the topic. Mm-hmm. The three times during marriage were all times that she either caught me or. I was in such a corner that I couldn't lie anymore, right? And so we had actually just come home from living overseas. We we worked as I, I call it international workers because I don't use the the M word because of where we were. I was you know we were we had to be careful with where we were. But uh, we had come home under duress. Uh, some really rough, horrible things had happened um, during our last year uh, there, and so you know our lives were just you know in in total chaos. And I remember she, you know, we had been back in the States for a few months and she made this one comment. She's like something along the lines of like, well, how, how have you been able to like stay free from pornography through all of this? And, you know, I was just at such a low point that I said, I've been, I've been back into it. And again, it wasn't me coming out and saying, Hey, I need to like confess this. It was, it was me just not being able to hide anymore. You know, that I, so I revealed that it had been about two years of having been back into it. And, and my wife went totally cold at that point. And I, you know, from what I had known, talking with different people, like I usually when a wife hits that point where she's just like the emotions are like gone, you know, a lot of time that's that's indicative of the marriage not going to make it. And so I was terrified at that. And and the same cycle began again, the, the me gaslighting, the me, you know, not really understanding what was going on or how to actually change it. And so I started doing the same things I had done in the past to try to make it better and to fix it. And we had we had this couple that was actually helping kind of mentor us from being on the field to being back in the States. And so as they were mentoring us, all this had come out. And so he called me one night and he said, look, Matt, I know you don't know me that well. I still don't know you that well. 
but you need to listen to me and you need to do everything I say without question. And that was one of the biggest moments for me because at that point I realized that my thinking was totally off base. I was, I would use the word insane, right? Like I, my, my, my whole understanding of, of everything, my way I was trying to deal with it and fix the problem was just not right. It wasn't going to work. And that was kind of the first time where it started to sink in that, wait a second, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be fixing it if I'm trying the same thing over and over again. You know, I was, I slept on the couch for a few weeks at one point, you know, my wife asked me to go stay in a hotel for a weekend, but, you know, we began to talk and we began to have these late night conversations. I, I began to be a part of a 12 step. Uh, I did celebrate recovery for a while, currently do SA, but, uh, you know, started working through that, started working through a daily workbook and, you know, started to kind of, there were, there was some, some growth and there was some practice there. Or, or, you know, there's some growth and there was some healing there, you know, with all, like, all our conversations. And it was probably a long time before I realized, okay, like divorce wasn't going to happen. It was pretty scary at first. And I think that was one of the, one of the early things that helped me to be willing to take some of those steps once I realized that they needed to be taken. Detaching in love is one of the 10 principles that I teach in my difficult relationship class. It's simply being able to separate yourself from your spouse's choices, feelings, actions, and reactions, and letting your spouse be responsible for himself and his own recovery. A wife would be able to work on her own recovery at the same time while treating her husband with dignity and kindness. You told me that your wife's success in detaching with love was one of the things that helped you move into recovery. Can you explain what that looked like and why that was so helpful? Yeah, um, you know, one of the things I would say is probably at least within my first year of recovery, and I'm about three and a half years now um, into recovery, about that first year, if you had asked me, and, and my wife actually occasionally did ask me, like, was I doing it for me or was I doing it for her? I could honestly say at that point that I wasn't sure that I was probably more doing it for her and saving the marriage. And it, it took about about a year in recovery before I really knew in my heart that, yeah, I'm starting to actually do this for me, which is where you, where, where you need to be, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the healthy point. You know, Catherine's ability to detach with love was, I, I would say, a big part of that. So kind of a, um, a, a joke, uh, I guess I'll start this off with. So earlier this week, I had, I had not even mentioned to, to my wife that I was doing <laughs> this podcast right but we we know we can share each other's stories and like we're you know that's something that we we have set in our marriage so the other day i was like oh wait hey by the way i'm gonna be on carla's carla's podcast and i was like i just totally forgot to tell you and she joked she said you know you know i'm so detached i don't even know what you do all day <laughs> uh, which is a joke right because that's you know i think a lot of times when we think of detachment like that's what we think of that you just have no connection with the person right. uh and she could say that as a joke and we both laugh because we knew that that's not what that means. And that's not what we we do. So, you know, kind of going back. So as as God's timing had it, um, because of all the distress that we had leaving leaving the, the international field, we were actually scheduled to go to a four week, which turned into a five week inpatient program. We 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 called it uh, jokingly and lovingly life rehab, and you know that was just for those things. But obviously, when when my my pornography use and all came came to light that ended up being a lot of the focus, which was, you know, in a way sad, because I, I think it hurt a little bit of the chances to heal from other areas. But at the same time, I think that was more of an underlying issue than we realized. So it helped. And so I would say that's where she began to really learn about detaching with love. 
um, started to understand what that was. Um, I began to heal from past traumas and issues. I did a, a full disclosure during that time with her, with the, with the help of a counselor, which is, you know, that is always how it needs to be done. You know, and it, you know, and I, as I would heal from the past, I would share some of that, that stuff with Catherine uh, because she wanted to know those things. She wanted to know, you know, who I am. She wanted to know, you know, my experience and my life because it got to know, it allowed her to know me better um, as I was getting to know, know myself. But she, she began to hold a very clear line that my recovery was my responsibility. That it wasn't, it wasn't her. She was not going to be checking in on me. She was not going to be making sure I did the work. Now we had some boundaries set up. You know, if I went places, she needed to know, you know, she would like to know where I went. But a lot of times I took the initiative on those things because she was learning to, hey, like, you know what? He's got to, he's got to make these choices. And so then some of those, so that when I realized like, Hey, some of those choices are going to be, Hey, by the way, I'm going here tonight or, you know, I, I'm doing this and, and, and letting her know she, she always had reserved the right to, to ask questions about how I was doing uh, when it, when it came to that stuff. She often doesn't, she doesn't feel the need to, but she's allowed to. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was those things that some of those things that really helped because it, it was, you know, she, her not checking in, her not kind of taking on this mom figure really helped me realize, okay, like I'm responsible for this. Like if I really, you know, early on, if I really want, you know, my marriage to heal and whatever, but then, you know, further, further along, if I really want to heal for myself here, if I really want to be a healthy person and, and, and full with, in, in God, like I have to take that responsibility. And that was a big difference from the past times where she would be setting up the accountability software. She would be doing this, she would be doing that. And now, you know, it was up to me to, hey, am I going to start going to a group? And she told me once, she's like, that's your choice. And so, so that was helpful. But I also knew, and, and she would, you know, she, we made it clear, like, you know, those, those things have to happen. Like if we're going to, if we're going to heal, if we're going to grow, and, and one of the things I think that also kind of helped with detaching was, you know, we had this habit of, we were both youngest children, which is not always great in marriage, but we would have this habit if something, you know, negative happened in someone's life, we would share it with the other one and we'd both get worked up. We'd both get, you know, mad and angry and we'd, we'd kind of play off of each other. Uh, you know, we always thought, oh, we're building teamwork, right? We're being close, but really it was just tearing us down. And um, she stopped doing that. You know, she was able to detach in that way. And if I was having a rough moment, to be able to not, you know, share her opinion necessarily, which, you know, she'd want to defend her husband and whatever, but she would actually not get into that. And that helped us to both begin doing that. And so now that's, you know, a healthier place, but because she made those choices that, Hey, she wasn't going to take on those roles anymore. Yeah. And those are all really the opposite of what typically happens, which is micromanaging out of fear your husband's recovery, checking up, questioning, kind of hovering over him, worried about that. And, and that comes uh, that comes out of a wife's deep-seated fear that it's oh, absolutely to happen again. You know, it because that's one of after finding out uh, that this is still going on, or for the first time that this is going on, the there's just a deep-seated fear that what if it happens again? And I don't know. And so your wife was able to come to terms with that in a way that allowed her to let go and pursue, you know, her own life, living her own life while letting you figure out how to do your own recovery. But it sounds like underneath that, 
that there were some boundaries. Sure. Do you, do you remember what those were? Like, were they yeah. said or were they implied? Some of them, uh, you know, we kind of had both. We had had subtle. We had also implied. Uh, I guess those are the same. <laughs> we, had, we had the implied ones. We also had the, uh, you know, the, the, the firm ones. But, uh, you know, again, just kind of, you know, that was the third time in marriage before that kind of stuff happened, right? So, like, at the previous times, like, her her pain, her pain, her hurt, she wasn't able to make those steps yet. Um, and so really we just happened to be, we were both at the same time because a wife can make those, you know, you can learn how to attach with love and, and make those steps and the husband can still choose not to. And that's the hard, that's like the hardest thing, right? Yeah. With boundaries, you know, our marriage has become totally different. And, and some of those boundaries have been helpful. It used to be, you know, I used to have an anger problem as well. And mm-hmm. I didn't know I had an anger problem because I just thought I had a porn problem. Right. And, you know, I never yelled at them. I never hit them, but there was, there was this, always the seething angry uh, anger. Uh, my kids now can can laugh about angry dad. You know, Catherine can even you know bring it up, and there's still triggers for her, right? There's still those things that happen. But we now have more fun than we ever did before, and I feel closer and I feel more love. And I think that's the, you know the key to 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 detaching with love. You know, as I healed, I could begin to receive that love from her, and as she healed, uh, she learned how to to really to show that love in a helpful way. Okay, so what boundaries did you have with your wife? Yeah, um, so I think this is where uh, detaching with love really showed itself and became powerful for us. So she was, you know, again, like I said, very clear with me that recovery was my responsibility. It wasn't hers. Um, so she, you know, said that very clearly, but then she also backed it up with her actions, right? So so it, in some ways it was, you know, that clear boundary, but in others, like, she would do these things, not necessarily tell me, but those things that clearly played out with that, right? Not getting me worked up or angry. Well, that was clearly part of that boundary, right? Um, one of the things she did, she actually wrote up a chart that showed how she would respond to certain actions. Oh. And so part of that was, you know, these things happen. It's divorce. Like that is my boundary. That's my line. And that had to do with, you know, if, if it was a physical, if there would be a physical affair, or if there was you know anything with child pornography or anything that that would be her firm boundary um but then she said other boundaries said okay if you do go back into it and it's you know and it's been you know multiple times over multiple months the boundary is going to be you move out for a few months and and we see you know what we need to do uh you know if it was if it's been more than 24 hours kind of an in-home separation and then she said you know if if you do have a slip if you do something here's what i i want you to do within the first 24 hours and the end of 24 hours, you come and tell me and, but not tell her all the details. It's come and tell me, come and tell me that you've done the work, come and tell me um, that you're open to asking questions and then let me work my plan. And now she's never shared her plan in that with me. Oh. So I don't know what that would look like. And unfortunately we haven't had to find out, but that was one of her boundaries that she wasn't going to tell me what her response would be within if I if I follow that that 24 hour boundary. And that's kind of been helpful because like, you know, if, you know, as I as I it puts a little fear in there. Right. But at the same time, there's also that love that I've had. So those two things can mix together to, to help me with that. You know, it, the times if I if I do share with her that, yeah, like I'm having a rough time, there's been a lot of temptations or whatever, which sometimes we'll share um, in, in a healthy way. Usually her first question is going to be, have you talked to someone else? Yeah. 
right? She wants to make sure, hey, are you sharing this because you just want to share about you and we, we want to grow in our relationship? Or are you trying to make me into, you know, she doesn't say all this every time, but, but are you trying to make me into your accountability? Um, so again, I know that's a boundary. I know if I'm having a rough time, yeah, I'm going to reach out to either my accountability guys, I'm going to reach out to my sponsor. And then if I feel like, hey, like, I think this is something important to share with her, then I'm going to do that as a step of building relationship, not as a step of, hey, I need you to fix me. Yeah, I, I like that uh, because one of the things that happens in sexual addiction that really gets couples kind of stuck is the wife has that fear of it happening again and her not knowing. But right. so she might say something like, you know, you have to tell me, but then if you do it again, you know, it's divorce or it's separation. So the guy's like, okay, if I tell and this happens, then this is what's going to happen. So I don't want to tell, but yet the wife yeah, it's a hard spot. fear of it happening. So they really get stuck in that area. So it sounds like you guys were able to work out a very workable, mutually respectable way to manage that. And I like that you said it was, you know, it, it was obviously her setting her boundaries. It was what her, what she needed but I think detachment played a big part in that because mm -hmm. she was not acting out of fear. I can, I can just in your description right. of what the boundaries were, I can feel her strength and her resolve, but also her detachment, her basically, like you said, handing this back to you to manage and a wife yeah. never needs to become her husband's sponsor, accountability partner, only person. And it is, for you clearly to work out with your accountability partner, she does, like you, you're saying, to bring closeness, to bring honesty, to bring openness. So she knows what's going on so that it isn't done in secret. Uh, but she's, did she actually go to a program or did she, is it just her time that you did at this intensive that helped her do yeah, her time. Like this? Her, her time at the intensive was a big part of that. Um, she is a part of Essanon which is, okay. um, you know, so, so uh, for spouses of, of sex addicts. So she is a part of that on a weekly basis. Um, so that's been a big help. She did go to some counseling. You know, my, my, my wife choked, she, she got her counseling degree. Um, she never practiced, but she had gotten her counseling degree. And she said, man, I'm like the worst person to, for a counselor to deal with because she, she's never found that to be a comfortable place to really deal with things. But in, in an Essanon group through that, through that kind of life rehab uh, that we had, that's where she was able to start learning some of those those skills and to start doing some of the healing that she needed to do and, and continues uh, continues to do that. Yeah. So just for people listening that may not know what SA and SNON are, those are the secular 12-step groups like Alcoholics Anonymous. Sexaholics Anonymous and then uh, SNON, which... I don't know if it's actually short for anything. Uh, yeah, it's like, really it's like Al-Anon for, okay. for alcoholics. <laughs> so she found that really to be helpful. And those are yeah. um, use the same 12 steps that alcoholics have. And I have great respect for the 12 steps. I've spent many years yeah. in Al-Anon myself, and which is kind of where I learned all of the principles uh, and, you know, a lot of the tools that I teach and they, they work, they're, they're, Fantastic. And it does teach detachment very clearly in that program. So what would your advice be to a man who's listening and needs to get help for his sexual addiction? Where would he want to start? And why is it worth the hard work to get sober and disclose all those difficult details to his wife? Yeah. So 
one of the things I do about once a week or so is I read something that I wrote that recounts the benefits of recovery, but also the results of not being in recovery. Uh, and so that thing, that's, that's been something that's really helped me. And this wasn't something I was able to create at the beginning. Uh, this came into play later when I actually started to live out some of the benefits. And that can be one of the hard things, I would say, for a guy who is struggling with this thing, where you don't think that you're going to be able to have your emotional needs met or your physical needs met or whatever. And you're like, well, what's the benefit? This is all just going to be hard. And, and the truth is, the, the beginning part of recovery is hard. I mean, you are... You know, like, you know, if you're getting off of drugs, there's that time where your body has to detox. There is a level of that with sexual issues, right? Your body needs to detox. You need to start working through some of the the pain points in your life that have done it. So early on, it can be really, I mean, it is really hard. I remember sometimes I'd come home from a counseling session, uh, like on a Saturday morning, and I'd come home and I was exhausted and I'd come home to sleep for a few hours. And I'm not a guy who sleeps during the day. Like, I, I just don't. And you know, I'd be I'd be wiped out. But as time started to progress, and as I kept doing those things and kept healing, I started then to experience that joy, and I started to experience not only a more of an inner joy, but also more joy with my relationship with my wife, more joy with my relationship with the kids. And so, you know, I was able to then start writing out the benefits, like, oh, I can actually relate to people. Oh, I can actually receive love. You know, just and and, and it, it grows, right? So, just kind of a funny story. Well, I don't know. I guess I think I have a different understanding of funny, <laughs> but about a <laughs> month ahead. ago, uh, yeah, about a month ago. And again, this is about three and a half years into recovery, you know, where I've done a lot of healing, but there's still, there's still healing to, to go, uh, to go to. So I had asked my wife, I was like, Hey, like, you know, are we doing anything this evening? And she said, no, you know, I don't, we don't have any plans. I was like, okay, I'm going to work on the house. I've been doing a lot of renovations on our house. And she said, cool, that's fine. And so I've started, you know, I was doing those renovations. And in my mind, I had communicated with her everything, right? So when she, you know, looks at the kids and say, hey, let's, let's watch a movie uh, and just enjoy, I start getting mad. Well, why? Because I was going to be working in the family room. And so she's there with the kids and I'm sitting there and I'm getting all grumpy. And she's like, why is he getting grumpy? Why is he doing this? He can go work. I told him, like, I told him, hey, he could. And so, you know, it finally came out like, well, I was, I was going to work in the family room. So she stopped the movie and, and went upstairs. And that was actually her not doing a good job at detaching with love. She probably would have been best to actually have just kept watching the movie. But that was her choice. I worked in the family room. I went up and got out of the shower. I'm all mad. You know, I'm thinking, oh, she's she's gaslighting me and she's doing this. And it all of a sudden hit me. I was like, wait a second. We had a few rough moments today. So she's probably experiencing some some tension there. And oh, wait. I never told her I wanted to work in the family room. <laughs> so, so after the shower, I went, I went up to her and before I could say anything, she apologized to me, which now sometimes that's not healthy, right? Sometimes that's the wife, like, you know, trying to take it on. But for her, that was actually a moment of detaching with love because she's had, a, she's struggled with apologizing to anybody, even when she's in the clear wrong because of past hurts she's had. Mm -hmm. So she, in that moment was able to say, you know what? In, by detaching love, I'm going to apologize to him for my part in this, knowing that I can't control his response. I can't control if he's going to belittle me for that. I can't control if he's going to gloat over me. Uh, and so she took that step and she said that. And I said, well, I need to apologize because here's, here's what I did. I laid out all the stuff that I had realized. And, you know, so we got talking and talking. And I realized my initial reaction to her was not, oh, maybe I didn't communicate well. My initial reaction was, 
oh, she, she doesn't love me. She's just trying to sabotage me. And from that moment, it, it's amazing. A lot of times when you have these, these just ugly moments, a light bulb went on. And there was this huge healing. Now, like, I am more confident ever in the last four weeks that my wife loves me because of that moment and realizing, wow, she like, first of all, she was willing to apologize to me, which shows how much she loves me, right? And that we had that moment and I was able to do that, but I was only able to to realize and understand that she loves me because I've been doing the work. And yeah, it took three and a half years before I came, you know, this really light bulb moment. Yeah, there's I had been other smaller times, but now I'm like on another one of those highs, right? Um, but it, it takes that work, but it's the important work to do because you will get there if you're doing it. And that is a tremendous amount of health in your relationship, what you just described was, you know, first of all, I'm hearing from you a great deal of understanding of who your wife is and what her hurts are and that you also understand those for yourself and that you're continuing to be introspective and paying attention to your feelings you're able to embrace them you're able to feel them you're not you know running away from them in the sexual addiction and using that as a way of coping you're actually you're actually able to be present and you're you're looking at yourself and you're being honest and then you both are sharing and you have humor and you have mutual love i mean that sounds like an amazingly healthy relationship, which is what you said to me when you first wrote me that email, you said, I I can, I want to be able to explain how my wife's detaching in love has led to this tremendous healing in me being able to get recovery and our marriage being just wonderful and healthy and good. Wow. That is the best outcome that you could possibly have. It's phenomenal. And that's why people sometimes say, it's worth going through the tough stuff to get to the point where you actually have a better marriage after it's been yeah. disclosed and after it's been worked through than you had before. And you guys clearly do. Yeah. And, and, and the hard thing is it's not always going to be the case. Right. And, and, yeah. and we both work with, with people and, and we see that like you can, you're never, we're never going to do everything right. Right. So we, we take that off the table, but we can be doing the hard work. You know, I, I know cases where, where the husband has done the hard work. He's, he's turned around. He, he's, he's done a lot of healing. He's, he's in recovery and the marriage doesn't last because the wife just isn't either. There's so, so much pain there yeah. um, that she can't or, or, or whatever's going on. You know, there's situations where, you know, the wife is doing her work and she's healing and she's growing, you know, in, in, in that. And the husband just, chooses not to yeah. uh and and then there's times where neither will and then there's times where they both do and and that's one of the hard things uh with marriage is marriage is two people uh yeah. both need to make that choice and it's just it's hard but it's worth it if, yeah. if you if you both can do it and even if you both can't it's worth it for yourself to do it um if you're a wife whose husband is dealing with this stuff it is worth it for yourself you have kids it's worth it for your kids mm -hmm. to to do the work you need to do for healing and growth, pray that your husband will as well, you know, be broken. Uh, we have those resources that can help, help the guys uh, as well, as well as the wives, but you can always point them, point them to be broken. Again, it's not, you're not responsible for their, right. their recovery, but if, you know, if you know, they're looking for help or they're looking for something, say, Hey, like here's, here's, here's a possible one that might help you out. Or, or get help yourself first. 
and that had oh, always, an effect always, yeah. on your as the wife that would have an effect on the way that you're handling this which can lead your husband to one desire recovery or two feel that yeah there's a chance for me if I do have recovery so just give me you know a couple things that a wife could do to help her husband while also being true to herself as her husband's dealing with the sexual addiction and a couple things she should not do yeah um so i definitely would say you know if if you have a husband who who is dealing with that yeah you need to start working and, you know, whatever program you need to do for, for your help. You can control you, right? You can't control him. We have resources at BeBroken.org for that. But you can also, you know, as you know, even after you've started or, or at the time time you're starting, you can let your husband know like, hey, here, there's some, some ministries out there. Maybe you want to check out BeBroken.org. You can't do it for him, right? You can't yeah. just keep or keep sending it over and over again. Like, you know, kind of, you know, what would we would say is pestering it's not going to work it's it's even if he does it he's going to do it grudgingly and it's he's not going to be in the mindset to to do it so you can offer you know you can lead a you lead a horse to water right but you can't make it drink but again it's, it's important to you know keep yourself from being responsible for him taking those steps so the hardest thing for her to do is the fear that she has that he's going to do it again that it's not going to stop the pain that she has and yet be able to get to that place of detachment, which allows her to let go of his recovery and continue to get help for herself and kind of turn over to God almost. It's like, God, whatever this outcome is, if the marriage works, if it doesn't work, I recognize I'm affected by this. I need to get help for me. And I'm just going to let go of what's going to happen right now. And I'm going to keep getting help for myself as a woman, and I'm going to let, turn my husband over to you and you can figure out like, you know, take care of him. If he can get help, let him get help if he's going to get better. And right now I'm going to turn that outcome of this marriage over to you, which is really difficult to do, but it is possible. Your wife did it. Yeah. You know, it can be done. I've got a lot of, uh, lots of tools in my classes. I teach detachment as one of my 10 principles. I've got lots of videos on it on YouTube. I have lots of written material on that. I have a 365-day devotional that people can get that teaches all of these tools that can help you to pursue your own recovery while you're letting go of your husband's recovery. I have to just tell you, I, I love your honesty. I love your level of health. You're, you're clearly really working a great program and being very responsible for your own recovery. I think that's a, a beacon of hope for those that are listening who are caught in this and to realize, hey, I can actually get to that point. And you're saying three and a half years, yeah. a long time. That's a short time in a lifetime of addiction. Three and a half years is really, is. Um, and I don't think you just arrived at this place three and a half years into it. <laughs> I think you actually got to a really healthy place in your marriage and within yourself way before that. It's just happens yeah. to be three and a half years and two years sobriety. Yep. And and that's and uh, we we see time and time again, that's how the grace of God works, right? Like we continue, we do those things that help us put ourselves in the path of grace. And then on God's timing, he then 
boom, hits us with it, right? So like I was doing those things to help me understand that I'm loved, right? I, I was doing that hard work and I was, I was having some growth in it, but then God takes this moment and, and does, does a great thing. You know, this is, this is hard, right? Like this is hard for wives because there is the fear, there is the uncertainty, there is the unknown. Unfortunately, there's no way to do anything about that, right? Yeah. And so I think it's always important for the wives, like get help, find someone who knows what they're talking about, right? Carla knows what she's talking about. She can, you know, usually I think can direct to counselors who know what they're talking about or other coaches that know what they're talking about. I would always kind of caution, like, don't make the choices on your own of what your next steps are going to be. Because when you're in that amount of pain, that amount of hurt, it's hard to do that. And even when you're starting to attach with love, like sometimes you're going to go through those movements and those, and and make those steps and you're not going to feel it, Uh -uh. but that's okay. Right. Like if our feelings, we can't, we can't control, Uh -uh. but we, we take those steps and we allow ourselves, we allow our feelings to move in that direction but that takes time, but we can still take those important steps as we move along and, and get and get wisdom from others. You know, we're not made to make these choices alone. No, definitely. If there's anything that needs you to get help for both the husband and wife through this process and thereafter, like you said, you're both still in a recovery group. It is sexual addiction. I just want to thank you for this. I think this was a a wonderfully healing and eye-opening conversation that we just have, uh, we've just had. And I want to thank you for initiating it and by offering to do this. And this is your first time you've talked about it, right? Openly. Um, so this, this is the first time I think we, I focused more on my wife's side of it, kind of the, okay. the detachment part. Um, I did share actually on, on Be Broken's podcast, the Pure Sex Radio I do tell my story, um, so okay. focus more on me on that on, on that okay. on that one. But I that wasn't that long ago, and it was hard. And yeah. it's hard telling the story, yeah. but I've also discovered that it is so important because men have a tendency to think they're the only one, right? Mm-hmm. They 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 think oh no one else is dealing with it, or or maybe it's not that bad. You know when we talk, you know when I talk to guys, like like I want to be clear, like what guys were talking to, right? Like, you know, we, we hear maybe sex addicts. Well, I'm not a sex addict. Well, you know, if you're a guy, you know, looks at or not has looked at pornography sometime in the last few months, like if you masturbate, uh, if you look at the swimsuit edition, if you, you know, play through sexual scenarios in your head, including those of your, with your wife, you know, if you kind of touch your own body for your own self, self-pleasure or, or self-soothing, like, you're a guy who who could take some steps in healing. You, you need to take some steps in healing and it's worth it. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's beautiful as, as you go through that and go through some of those difficult times and you arrive in a place you never thought was possible. And um, that's both for the, the guy who's struggling with that and the wife who who's going through healing from the betrayal. And you can get to a beautiful place that gets even more beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on change my relationship podcast. And for those that are listening, um, I hope that you'll come back and listen to other podcasts and that you would also share this with your friends. Thank you for listening to this interview on Change My Relationship. We hope you will subscribe to these podcasts and share them with your friends. Carla would love to hear from you. She welcomes ideas for future podcasts, as well as your feedback on how the podcast have helped your life and relationships. You can email her at Carla at changemyrelationship.com. For more information on Change My Relationship, 
and Carla Downing's ministry, including her books, studies, devotionals, podcast, and YouTube videos, visit changemyrelationship.com.